little family, let's pray together. important thing is you're here and we thank you we trust you we praise you willing to do whatever you tell us to do nudge us in that direction Holy Spirit and all the praise goes to Jesus in whose name we pray amen it's the Lord of the flower jar and God really does bless us when we give and, and you know why because he's a giver and when we give we're more like him than any other time now again just like last week I'm not bringing this up because the wolf's at the door of the church. Our leadership, man, you guys have done a good job. We got a little money in the bank. Now, we're, we're counting the cost for the new building. We keep downsizing it and downsizing it make sure we can get it. But I'm telling you, uh, just like last week, this is a personal issue we're talking about this morning. This is between you and God here. And what can happen to your heart when you become a generous person the way he instructed us to last week? Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's just that simple, and it's just that true. If you and I, uh, don't, don't, if we get into this hoarding business, and this getting business, and this seeing how much money we can get and holding on to it, which we're talked about all the time in this culture, then that's the kind of lifestyle we're going to be led into, and that's the kind of heart we're going to have. On the other hand, if we figure out this generosity business, and we start giving and trusting God the way he wants us to, that's the kind of life you'll have, and that's the kind of heart you'll have, and it's just the truth, man. I'm not lying to you. It just is. And, and, and it's true whether you believe it or not. This is one of those principles like, you know, like gravity. If I preached a sermon on gravity this morning and you didn't believe me, you jumped off the roof, you believed me. You know what I'm talking about? This principle is true whether you believe it or not, and that's why we keep talking about it. Now, also, I was looking through some old emails I think Nice Wonder sent me this one. Have you seen the stories about the dumb thieves? You see those? Some of them are hilarious. This one from a guy in Virginia Beach. He was charged with stealing a car, and he showed up for his arraignment on Friday like he was supposed to. He drove the car he was accused of stealing. That's pretty stupid. In Fort Collins, Colorado, a man robbed the same 7-Eleven convenience store twice in one day, and he told the guy he'd be back, and he came back, and they were waiting on him. <laughs> That's pretty dumb. Two guys in Kentucky, this makes sense, sorry Bill, two guys in Kentucky decided to rob an ATM machine, so they hooked it up to the bumper of this truck and pulled off it, pulled the bumper off the truck, and they fled the scene. The bumper and his license plate, right there, you know. One more, Louisiana, a guy walked in a convenience store, he put a $20 bill on the counter, and he said, could you give me change for this 20? The guy opened up the cash register, he pulled out a gun and said, give me all the money in the, in the cash register. So he took it all and took off running, he left the $20 bill on the counter. Guess how much was in the cash register? Fifteen bucks. The guy lost five dollars. He had the gun and he still left the twenty dollar bill. Those are funny stories, but I'm thinking maybe the dumbest theft story of all times is found in the Old Testament. 
in the book of Malachi. And God's talking to this group of people about their hearts, how far they are from God. Now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, then you know, and you already know this. I didn't have to preach it, but you know it. The thing that gets our hearts farther from God quicker than anything is our money and our stuff. And God's talking to these people about how they are so far from him. And he asks them this question in, in chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God, he said? Now, when we first hear that question on the fly in church on Sunday morning without thinking about it, the answer quickly is, no. Are you kidding me? I'd be absolutely insane to rob God. My, my first year full-time, years ago, was over there in the white church building in the basement. And um, the youth group met over there, of course. That's the only place we had. And they had a little can they kept their offering in. And uh, one night, somebody broke through the window over there in the basement and stole the money out of the can. Remember that? It wasn't very much money. But I've thought about it so many times since. Wouldn't you hate to stand before God someday and explain to him why you stole money from the youth group can? The point is nobody would steal from God, man. Nobody in their right mind would steal from God because God sees everything that's going on. But God says to these people, you robbed me. They say, how did we rob you? Through your tithes and offerings. Remember that whole story? Now, the tithe deal, you all know what it is. It's 10% of your income. 10% what you get, you get back to God. And, and we don't talk about tithing in the church. We don't do it in this church because your, your preacher's a, a, a chicken. But we also, because we don't understand it a whole lot. But I will tell you this. Even back in the Old Testament, when God established the tithe, it was not about a legalistic way to get your thing done and out the door. You know, I gave my 10%, I'm done. It was never meant to be that way. You know why? Because God doesn't need your money. God's not waiting for my 10% of my paycheck this Friday. You know why? Because the whole paycheck belongs to him. He doesn't need my 10%. The whole idea behind the tithing was to teach us to trust him, to give him the first fruits, knowing that we would have enough in our jar. That's what it's all about. And learn to be generous like he is. Now, by the way, somebody asked me not too long ago, I know the tithe is the whole deal in the Old Testament. What's the New Testament say about that? Very good question. Very good question. You probably remember one time when Jesus was speaking, he, he talked about, he said, I did not come to change anything about the law. Not a jot nor a tittle, which is a little bitty thing at the end of it. I'm not changing anything. I came to fulfill the law. And then one by one through the commandments, he said what that meant. It was all about the heart. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, I'm telling you, don't even look at a woman lustfully. It's about the heart. You've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. Well, I'm telling you, you can't even hate your brother. It's about the heart. And he went through each one of the commandments, except when he got to the, the Sabbath, which he fulfilled it completely. But when he got to the tithe commandment, he said this. He said, you've heard it said you're to give 10%, but I tell you, give as you've been blessed. Ouch. I don't know about most of you in here. Well, actually, I do. We've all been blessed a lot in here. And for me, 10% would be a lot easier because if I gave the way I've been blessed, it'd be a whole lot more than 10%. 10% is the starting point for Christians. By the way, you get past 10%, now you're talking about offering. We've talked about this before too, but I still had this question a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to talk about this again, okay? The first 10% goes into the storehouse. 
tithes and offerings. The tithe goes here. And the reason I bring this up is because even though we talked about it before, I had somebody just a couple weeks ago tell me, well, I don't give my tithe to the church because my sister's having some trouble right now, and so I'm giving her some of my tithe. Uh, one guy said, my brother-in-law's family's struggling, so I'm giving my, my tithe to that family. Well, that's really nice, but that's not what the Bible teaches. And I won't hurt anybody's feelings, but now, listen, if I'm going to preach on this stuff, I'm going to do the best I can to preach right. 10% goes to the church. Then if you want to give to your brother or your sister or CPC or Backstreet Mission or our building fund, that's your offering. Tithe to the church, offering from there, and it's good stuff. But in this passage, what's going on with these people is they're still coming to worship, they're still doing the temple business, but they've got it in their minds, you know what, we can cheat God on the money thing. That we can hold our money back and then we'll have more for ourselves. And somehow they're acting like God doesn't know. It's the strangest thing. I got a friend of mine tells me his favorite dumb thief story is his brother. He said that he had a brother that was five years younger than him, and him and his sister would always try to talk him into going in the kitchen to get cookies. Cookies were off limits. But he said, my brother thought that if he closed his eyes and he couldn't see, nobody could see him. So he closed his eyes and stumbled through the kitchen trying to get cookies out of the cookie jars. He's some of the funniest thing to watch. I'm going to tell you what's not so funny. What's not so funny is that we're living in a nation right now where people are going for the cookie jar with their eyes closed and somehow they're thinking God's, God can't see. He sees. And what he sees is not very good. According to all the polls that are out, including George Barna, and this has been going on for two decades, 6% of Christians tithe. 6% of people who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and King actually tithe. 6%. That's woeful. Now, I asked Angie last week how many families we have in this church. We have 540, but we have 360 active families. So if 6% uh, was true here, then that means we only have 21.87 families that are actually tithing in this church. I can tell you we have about 100 families that are tithing in this church. We're way above the average. But I also want to tell you, family, as much as I love you, there should be 340 families tithing. And God's watching, man. It's, it's not for the money. This is a personal deal. Look, how important this is to God. He says something to these people in the book of Malachi. He talks, I've never heard him talk this way before. He says, test me on this and see. Just trust me on this. Just do what I told you to do. Bring 10% into, just bring that into the storehouse and you watch and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing on you, you won't know what to do with it. Have you ever heard talk, God talk like that? Because I haven't. Test me. Tech me out on this thing. Now again, this is a personal issue between you and God. He's daring us to do this. This has nothing to do with the church. The church at South Union has got this figured out. We give 20% of what we take away. Most of you know that. So we're a tithe and offering church. Now, it doesn't always work out that way at the end of the year because some of our needs are fluctuating, and, and so we have some money left over at the end of the year, and that worries Eric sometimes because we didn't give it all away. But our target is 20%. We put that back. So it's not a church issue. Understand me when I'm telling you, this is a personal issue between you and God. And it has nothing to do, I don't know anything about it. I will never know what anybody gives here. I'm just preaching what he told me to preach. You know, there's always a reason why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. I try my best to listen to God and, and go where he tells me to go. And sometimes I don't want to. Well, three or four weeks ago, I preached on this whole abortion issue. 
I didn't want to do it. I said, Lord, I don't want to do it. He said, you want to do it? I did it. Now, not verbally. Yeah, I've told you that before. Last year, I had to bring up homosexuality. It's such a hot topic, I didn't want to talk about it. But he said, you're going to, so I did. Now, he's told me to do this series on money, and, and partly it is because the leadership asked me. We're in the campaign. They wanted three or four sermons. CFR, who's instructing us, and wanted three or four sermons. I said in the beginning, I'm not going to do that. God said, yes, you are. So this could be this whole sermon series we've done might just be my obedience to God, and if so, thank you for your patience. But I don't think that's it. It might be that God's having me do this series on money right now because some of you are going to have to make some decisions here. We're going to have commitment Sunday in a couple of weeks. We're talking about it. We're going to set up commitments for two years. You'll be knowing more about that pretty soon. And I'll, just, I'll get cheesy with you for a minute. Some of the leadership's already done this. Angie and I did this a couple of weeks ago on Tuesday night. The Friday before Tuesday night, Kent Goldman had two cars lined up for us to buy. My car's the baby in our family. It's 11 years old. Hers is 13, and, and our uh, Trailblazer's 15. It's time for something else. And we looked at the car payment, and we thought about the commitment, and we put it off for a couple of years. Maybe, maybe God's having me do this series because some of you, in, in the midst of all this commitment, are going to have to make some decisions, and he wants you to have all the stuff on the table. I don't know. Or maybe I'm preaching this sermon series right now because God's leading some of you to the next level of giving, which is spirit-driven giving. And it's amazing. I mean, a lot of you in here, I already told you, at least 100 families are already tithing, and a lot of you are going beyond that with offering. Our family is. Maybe God's telling you to go the next step, spirit-driven giving. And that's where you give moment by moment every day when God says, take it out of your billfold and give it. Take it out of the checking book. Your time, your energy, whatever it is, you do it. Kind of like the Twinkie thing we watched last week. Remember the Twinkie thing? This is amazing stuff. I had a friend tell me one time, him and some buddies were coming home from a, a, a basketball game, and they passed this gal on the road. She didn't even look distressed. He said, I got a leading from the Holy Spirit to go back and talk to her. I went about three or four blocks. It wouldn't go away. I drove back around. The guy said, where are you going? He said, I know this sounds stupid, but the Lord's told me to stop and talk to this woman. So he said, I got out and went up to her and said, the Lord's led me here. Uh, Is there something I can do for you? And she just broke down. She'd been begging God for some help. She was in a financial crunch at that particular moment with a three-year-old nowhere to go. And they both cried together, and he unloaded his wallet, went back to the car, and got money from his buddies. It's amazing. Several years ago, Richie Blackburn and I were having cheap breakfast. That's the only kind of breakfast he likes. And it was in the old cloverleaf, the one across the highway. And when we were done, Richard took a $20 bill and left it on the table. And we <clears throat> up paying, you know, or the same place where there is now. And the gal came up and said, excuse me, sir, you left a $20 bill on the table. You surely didn't mean to tip me $20. And this was a long time ago. And he said, look, ma'am, I was not flirting with you. The Lord told me clearly to leave you $20 on the table. And he said, what you do with this between you and God, I had to do what I was told. This kind of giving, spirit-driven, is amazing. Both for the giver, that was a great day for Richie, and for the getter. It was a great day for that woman. Angie and I, first year we were married, I was a senior at Bible college, and to say I got behind in my uh, schooling is an understatement. I had to take 21 hours a semester uh, and a correspondence course to finish my senior year. So I'm telling you that to tell you we were busy, but we're also broke. So uh, she worked a few hours a week at school. I worked a few hours a week at school. 
I work 20 hours a week in the apartment complex, cleaning and shoveling snow. I work two nights a week all night as a guard at, at the college. Uh, all, by the way, we painted on the side, and we also had a part-time ministry. Now, don't feel bad for us. We were young. It was no big deal, okay? My point is, we were doing the best we could do, and we were still broke. Angie had bought a car before we got married. $236.20 a month. That's a lot of money back there. It's a lot of money now. But we weren't making it. <clears throat> we had two or three months in a row where, uh, well, once uh, one month Ma had to bail us out, and, you know, it just looked like we weren't going to keep, keep the car. So we were just going to let it go back to the bank. I, we couldn't keep it. She had a friend in Martinsville, Shelley, that I'd only met twice. We hadn't seen in months. And her and her husband had been going to church more and had been learning about tithing, and they had decided to tithe their paychecks to the church. And they were home one night talking about it at dinner, and they said, you know what, let's tithe our savings account as an offering. And she said, where do we send it? And they hadn't talked to us in months. And they prayed about it, and the, the Lord led them to send us the tithe off their check, off their savings. Anybody want to know how much was in it? $2,362.20. That's amazing, man. This spirit-driven, this, kind of, this kind of giving is off the charts. And I highly recommend it. It's just good stuff. All right, so I, I know i got to quit. I walked on water once. Did you know that? I did. Me and Peter have something in common. Uh, we went to uh, Iowa to some friend's house. And they had an in-ground pool, and in honor of our coming, they filled it up with well water. <laughs> and it was cold. I was seven years old, and I wanted to swim so bad. So every day I'm saying, Dad, can I go swimming? Honey, it's, it's cold. I know, but I want to swim. Okay, you can swim. So I got my suit on, and they were all sitting out there watching me, and I did what kids do. I circled that pool for 20 minutes. I put my foot in. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't do it. And so I finally said, Dad, throw me in. He said, son, it's cold. I said, I don't care, throw me in. So he said he picked me up, threw me about 10 feet out, and I just walked right back to the other side. <laughs> Things warmed up after about three days we were there, and we started swimming, and they had a, a, a diving board, and I'd, we'd never been to a pool with the diving board. And my dad got in, and he said, just jump. But it's the deep end, man, and the drain was there. I hated the drain. But I, my dad got in. Come on, jump. <laughs> jump. It was a scary deal. But you know what? I did it. And you know why? Because when my dad said it, he meant it. I catch you, he said. I jumped. I had a blast. We've been called to jump, church. I don't know how else to tell you. We prayed. We fasted corporately. We said, God, what do you want us to do? Very clearly, he said, I want you to build. I've given you 83 acres out there. Go build on it. It's our time to jump. We've been called to jump. And I know it's spooky. And I don't know if you're having a fear deal or a trust deal in terms of your money. Either way, I'm telling you, jump, man. You can trust him. Get quiet with him, ask him what it is, and you just jump. Now, you can keep it if you want to. I, I mean, I, I will never know. There are only two people here that will know how much anybody gives any time. And you can hoard and keep in my mind just like the culture is telling us to. Uh, but I will tell you this. The same guy that said uh, the one who dies with the most toys wins forgot to tell you, they still die. I'm telling you, jump. You can trust Him. We trust Him with our eternal life through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So,
think I'm done talking about money. You get with the, the, the Lord of the flower jar and tell him you'll do whatever he tells you to do. And then you do it. And that's all you need to do.